Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. Well, good morning. Happy New Year. So far, so good? (laughs) Thumbs up? So, first things first is the name of the series because we've just, I have felt a real sense of we got to get the first things first. The basics, okay? So, in other words, what matters most to us? Then build that into your life. And so you can talk about disciplines, you can talk about habits, you can talk about your, your rhythm of your life, however you want to describe it. These are the things that matter. We're going to talk about prayer. We're going to talk about worship. We're going to talk about community. And today, we're going to start with, when I think of first things first, it's number one. On my list. So let me, let me, let me give you a, a glimpse of this. My, uh, my daughter found, um, and how she found, she can find anything. And I don't know how she gets, finds these things. But there was a, um, a handmade artisan, literally a, a piece of art, handmade, from Turkey. And it's made out of metal. Okay? And so she gave this to me for Christmas. And when I saw it, it immediately, at first I wasn't sure what it was, and then it really hit me. So Rachel and I, we put it, it's the first thing I see every morning when I get up. I mean, when I, when I turn over, roll out of bed, or sit on the side of the bed, I'm staring at this, and you'll see my dresser. So here's, here's what I look at every morning. That happens to be the love of my life. That happens to be the love of my life plus one. Here's some random books. But that just shakes me to the core every time I see it. Those are the hands of God over my brain, over my heart. And it reminds me I had help getting to this year. I had help being here. Somebody has his hands on me. Now, how do I believe that? How do I know that? There's only one way I know that. This book tells me so. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. My word for the year? The word. My word for the year is the word. That's, I mean, I don't know how to make it any simpler. It's the Word. For me, first things first, you start there. And let me tell you a little bit in terms of giving context. When, when Paul was writing his last letter called 2 Timothy, in fact, if you've got a, a copy of God's Word with you, or if you've got a device, you can open it to 2 Timothy chapter 3. When he's writing this 2 Timothy letter, it's probably the last one he wrote because he's about to die. And he's writing to the pastor of the hardest church, probably one of the most difficult churches uh, in the world at that time. It was the church in Ephesus. 
By God's grace, I've had the privilege of standing in Ephesus, and I've been able to see some of what I'm about to describe. Ephesus was where a whole bunch of world religions and world leaders met. Now, everybody thinks it's Rome, and Rome was. But Rome actually had more domination by the Romans. And then some say, well, what about Athens? Yes, the Greeks. But in Ephesus, it was like all roads led there. And so he's trying to pastor a church where there's basically people who are worshiping Diana, people who are worshiping Artemis, people who are worshiping Zeus, people who are worshiping Jesus, and they're all together. And it was just this place of incredible complexity. And so as he's writing to try to encourage him, he says, Timothy, it's, it's not going to be easy for a Christian. The world you're in, is, it's not going to be easy as a Christian. So you need to be prepared for that. And it's okay. And then he makes this statement about the persecution, about all the craziness going on around. He makes this statement. And I want you to look at this verse. This is in chapter 3, verse 7. He says, there are people who are always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. They're always learning, but they're never able to get there. They're never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. You know anybody like that? And it, one, this week, it's, they're on this. Next week, they're on something else. They're constantly learning. Now, there's something great to be said about learners. That's called a disciple. But learners who never know where the truth is, that's a problem. And I want you to watch what he says to Timothy to try to give him an anchor. So I'm going to start reading in, in verse 14, and you can follow along as I jump in. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. But as far as you, or as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. So the answer to Timothy was this, hey, you know where the truth is. You've known it since you were a child. Stay there. Verse 14 says, continue. I like the word stay. Stay in the word. Literally, the, the, the word for stay is abide. It just means every day you get up, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit in the word. Every evening, I'm going to sit in the Word. And you're thinking, well, I don't have that much time. No, I'm not talking about opening a book and reading the Bible. I'm talking about letting the Word just live in you. Stay in it. And let me tell you why it's important. What's your source of truth? What's your source of truth? When you're really looking for truth about something or just truth, where do you go? I love having conversation with people. I got to teach philosophy in a secular university. And so I asked the dean, the academic dean, I said, now, you realize teaching philosophy, I'm going to have a, 
I'm going to have a bias here. He goes, here's the deal. You can teach your worldview following Scripture and following Christianity as long as you teach the other worldviews. Oh, that's no problem. I'll, I'll teach all of them. But there's one I'm, I'm going to lean into just a little bit. And here's what I learned during that. People don't know where their source of truth is. So where's your source of truth? So I get into these debates. Oh, I don't know if I believe the Bible. I don't know if I believe Christianity. I'm just not sure about all that. Okay. What is your source of truth? And a lot of times you'll hear this. Oh, I, I've just found my personal truth. Oh. So what you're saying is you are the source of truth. I should have come to you years ago. You are the source of truth. I'm going to be glad to give that title up. Because I've made some stupid mistakes in my life, and I am not the source of truth. But if you think you are, let's see how it works out. What about social media? Oh, I'll find it on social media. Really? You're going to find one truth that everybody, no, it's just confusion. It's like Ephesus. Well, what about, it's somebody that I look up to. It's a preacher. Okay. It's a pastor. It's, it's somebody that's a teacher, a Bible teacher. I read their books. I, I, I just think they're the, I listen to their podcast. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm all about them. That's great. Until they have a moral failure. And then your little whole world of truth comes collapsing down on itself. I can just tell you something to save you some time. I am not your source of truth. And don't you ever lean into and put more weight on me than you do the one who called me and sent me. He is the source of truth. There is no human, no human can take that place. But we all have to wrestle it down. So I made a decision years ago in my personal journey was, you know what? I'm going to find a truth and I'm going to follow that truth. And let me tell you, I came to decide there is only one place for truth for me, and it is in the number one most stolen book in the world. Did you know this is the number one most stolen book in the world? It's also the number one best-selling book in the world. It is the Scriptures. It is the Word of God. It's 66 books that we call the Bible. That's my source of truth. So don't be offended when I look at you, I hear you, and I say, okay, well, you know, Help me with scripture and verse there, chapter and verse. Oh, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not talking about the Bible. Well, I am because that's truth. Because I can't get into a debate on stuff that's just up to somebody's feelings. I got to have something that's a little more objective. And so what he's telling Timothy is, you need to, this is it. Stay in this book. So I, I just want to tell you something. I, I've got an idea. I want us to do something. We have a plan. And we want you to let us text you for the next 40 days. Every day we want to text a scripture. Okay? And we want you to go through that scripture. It's not going to be a lot. It's probably one verse, two verse, maybe. And go through that scripture and look at it. And we'll show you, I'll show you kind of how... How I want us to do it. And let's all take the journey together. Now, there's another thing. If you have interest 
in this book and, and understanding it more. If you just, maybe I've never, I didn't grow up with it. I'm, I'm just not sure about it, but I'd like to know more about it. I do a thing, and we, it's been years since we've done this, but it's basically on a Friday night where I'll start in Matthew and teach through the whole New Testament. And basically, we'll see how it showed up, where the New Testament come from, what was going on in the world when it came, and then also we'll end in Revelation. I don't know what time we'll end that night. We start at 6, and I don't know the time we'll end, but I know where we end. We end in Revelation. So here's the deal. We're going to sell tickets. You get a notebook, you get materials, and you get snacks. And that's $10, okay? It's on February the 4th. It's a Friday night, going to be in Faith Hall. You can find out all this information in, um, uh, online, but also you can find out some information in the back. And we want to start getting tickets out because we sold out twice the last time we did this. And I want to make sure we have as much space as possible. Why? Just to understand this book. Just to understand this book. Because this is what Timothy said. I mean, what Paul said. Timothy? You're going to have a lot of stuff come and go. You're going to have a lot of movements come through town. And you're going to have a lot of philosophies. But stay in this. Stay in what you know is the scripture. And it will always lead you to the same place. So let me tell you why I'm passionate about doing this. Number one, it's relevant. This is the most relevant book you will ever read. It's the only book when you open the chapters and the pages start reading, the author shows up. He's there. And he says to, to Timothy, he said, you learned it when you were little. Some of you are thinking, man, I didn't learn it when I was little. I heard it last weekend for the first time. That's great. Because that's the thing about the journey. We want, we want you to take that journey with us just to say, I've never read the Bible. I don't understand anything about the Bible, but, but I want to I learn what I can. Here's what you're going to find. Every time you read it, you learn something different, something new. As long as I've known this book, as long as I've studied this book, it's always fresh. Hebrews 4.12 says it's living, it's active, it's, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. I mean, it's, it's literally piercing. I, I just think it's, it's a book that has this kind of a spirit. It knows how to go to the discerning the thoughts and tensions of the heart. It knows how to go to the heart of the issue. And really cuts to the chase in my life and cuts to the chase in what's going on around us. So it's, it's relevant. And you know, one of the reasons it's relevant, it has one singular purpose. And that purpose is to make you wise unto salvation. Do you see? He said it to Timothy. Look, if you will, in verse 14. He says, continue in it what you've learned and believe it. And you know who you learned it from. Verse 15, how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Guys, this is not a history book. This is not a medical book. This is not a science book. This is a salvation book written by the author of salvation. And he wrote it one reason, for you to come to know salvation in Jesus' name. So think about this. You have an Old Testament. Old Testament, right? You have 39 books called the Old Testament. What are they about? Well, they're basically books 
that are about God getting his people ready for Jesus. God showing his people a need for Jesus. I mean, literally getting them ready from creation all the way through the prophets, getting them ready for what he was going to do and offering his son. Then you come to the New Testament. You got 27 books, starting with Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're all writing about the same person. Who is it? Jesus. And then you got the book of Acts, which is a story of the spread of the gospel and the spread of the church. And then from Acts on, you've got letters and books written back to the church about how to live after Christ. So when you stop and think about it, this whole book is wrapped up in one central purpose to introduce you to Jesus. So you can know the creator, the one who made you, and the one who came to give you life. So it's really relevant to any stage of person in this room, any stage of someone on this stream. And I just think when you realize it's that relevant, I want to understand it. I want to read it. Second thing, it's reliable. You can trust it. Believe me, you can trust it. So look what he says to him. He says, now, Timothy... All Scripture, I'm back in verse 16, all Scripture is breathed out. Watch this. All Scripture is breathed out by God. It's profitable for some things, okay? Let's start with this, all Scripture. Well, what's he talking about? Because I don't have that Scripture. Yeah, you do. I've heard people say, well, but for Timothy, he didn't have the whole Bible. No, he didn't have the whole Bible. He had probably the Old Testament. He probably what we call the Septuagint, which is the Old Testament in Greek. And that's what they read. But guess what we have? We have not only the Old Testament, we also have the New Testament, and we have this letter. And so the same phrase, all Scripture, can be applied to every Bible we have. He's saying, David, I don't understand. How does that work? Let me show you the translation tree. Because I get this question more than any other question. So, David, I've got my grandmother's Bible that she left me. I don't understand it. I said, okay, what what version is it? I don't know. It just sounds like it's real old. I said, go and look and see if it's King James. Because King James would be old, like it was written in 1611. And so it might use words that you're not used to using. And sure enough, that's always the case. So let me tell you, the best way to approach it is find a version you can understand. Find a version you can understand. If you were single, guys, and you met the most beautiful girl you have ever seen, and she gave you directions to her house, literally wrote them out, but she wrote it in King James, I bet you'd figure that one out, wouldn't you? (laughs) Say, I can work with these these and thous. I'll get this one figured out. It's okay, but, you know, there's some great versions. So let me show you how this translation tree works. There's the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The original. I'm talking about the original. The New Testament, the Greek was the common language of the day. So when the New Testament was written, it was most likely all Greek. Okay. Those are the originals, what we call the originals, manuscripts, whatever you want to call them. They're really authentic, Old Testament, Hebrew, New Testament, Greek, but we don't have them. 
but I've got this. So can I believe the same that I believe about that? Can I believe about this one? Yeah. Because look what happened. Hebrew, Greek. Somebody said, you know what? Everybody needs to read this Bible. Let's translate it into languages. Let's get it in languages people understand. So you had in smart people, really, really smart people, translators who went to work, and they took it and they translated it and they made versions. For example, I think all the versions that are out there fall in one of three categories. They're all on the tree. There's not the same place on the tree. Word for word, there are some versions that are really particular about wanting to get it word for word. If you were to read one that was actually word for word it's in Hebrew and in Greek, you wouldn't understand what it said. Because Hebrew and Greek syntax, grammar is so different. It's hard to get it word for word. So they would do the best they can. Here are those versions. New American Standard Bible. If you've had one of these versions before, raise your hand. New American Standard. Okay? And you put it in the chat if you've got a New American Standard. That's probably one of my favorites. But they're not as plentiful anymore. I don't see as many of them around. ESV. It's what I have and use today. King James. I know there's some King James in the room. New King James, which tried to help it a little from the these and thous. And then the Holman Christian, Christian Standard. Anybody have that one? It's, a, it's, a, it's more new, but it also stays pretty true to word for word. Okay, then there's some that are thought for thought. They're not as concerned about word for word. They want to kind of get the phrase to phrase. New Jerusalem Bible. It's actually a very good version. The NIV. Man, I grew up on the NIV. I mean, I, I used to use the NIV all the time. And it's very good. It's great. Then there are those that are paraphrases. That would be like somebody, you, you tell me a story, and then I put it in my own words and tell somebody else. A paraphrase is just a little bit more loose. New Living. The New Living Translation. Anybody have that one? Good News. The Good News Bible. The Living Bible. That was one. I remember that one. I can still remember the cover. It was green, <laughs> and it looked padded. I mean, it's just weird looking. And then the message. Anybody have a copy of the message? I know one does on the front row right over here. We're always giving Danny fits because that's his favorite version. But I will have to say, give me grace. The message made it on the tree. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's grace, okay? So paraphrases are great. So are word for word. Here's what you need to know. You can trust the Bible you have. It's trustworthy. That may read a little different than the person next to you. But it's okay. Find the one that really helps you and you can understand it. As long as it's an accurate version. It can't be some dude off the internet said, hey, I got one. You might want to be careful with those. Just make sure that you believe what you hold in your hand is reliable. All Scripture is what? Breathed out by God. Did you see that? Go back to the verse. We'll put it back up. Breathed out by God. What does that mean? It's like he just breathed. That's exactly what it means. That, that is only used one time in the whole Bible, and it's used in this verse. God just breathed it out. Well, how did that 
work. Does that mean God just came down and he wrote every one of these? Nope. That's why there's one called Matthew and there's one called Mark. Matthew wrote Matthew. Mark wrote Mark. John wrote John. You see, the Bible was inspired by God, written by man, but God was watching over all of it. And the best way I know how to explain it is, you will see personality in Scripture. You'll see like in the Gospels. You take the four Gospels, they're all about the same story, that's Jesus. But when you read Luke, you're reading a Gentile doctor. So he's going to use phrases. He uses medical terms. Is that because God just slipped up and looked away and Luke wrote the term? No. God used his personality. He used his man. Did you realize that the Bible covers 1,500 years of history? Meaning being written over 1,500 years. Some of you have been working on a book and you say, man, I feel bad. I've been working only three years. Hmm. This one was 1,500 years. That's how long. How many authors? Over 40. Over 40 authors. Jew and Gentile. So it's almost like this beautiful picture of diversity coming together. And here's how I think it happened. Pretend I'm one of the writers of Scripture. Let's say I'm Mark. Okay? And man, I, God has just spoken to me, and I know I'm supposed to record, and, so, and I'm supposed to write, and I'm writing. Well, I see Mark writing, but I see somebody standing right here, and that's God. And God's standing there, and it's almost as if he's whispering in Mark's ear to guide him. So when I say you can trust the Bible you have, you can trust the Bible you have. God gathered. God inspired man to write it. And here are the words for me that help me know I can trust this book every time. I believe it's a miracle book. It really is. It's miraculous that we have it. And here are the words that help me, if these will help you. The first word, revelation. God did something, inspired man. I'm like, oh my goodness, God spoke. We got to get this down. Jesus just taught one of the greatest lessons, Sermon on the Mount. Let's get it. Inspiration, they were inspired to record it. They were inspired to write it. Preservation, once those books became written, then the church began to curate. The church began to make sure we had the right ones. Because there was a lot of stuff out there, a lot of heresy, a lot of craziness. And the church began to be the curator. And God spoke through his church. And guess what? They all would have to agree that that book was supposed to be one of the 66 in the Bible. And the story of the preservation of God's Word is unbelievable. The fact that we have this in our hands today, it has survived time. Do you know the number one attacker of the Bible back in history was an atheist named Nietzsche? And Nietzsche said there is no way, the, I mean, he would attack the Bible and the craziness of the Bible that God wrote a book. Why are we just reading people's book, uh, you know, stories or whatever and calling them God? I mean, he went after it. Guess what? He said the Bible would be gone within his lifetime. Well, let me give you a little good news. Nietzsche's gone. You know what his house became? Became a home owned by the Geneva Bible Society. 
So I can tell you this book has been opposed. It has been fought. It's still here. God preserved it. Now, the word illumination, you know what that is? That's when we walk in here and we sit down and we open it and we're reading it and all of a sudden, oh gosh, I've never seen that. It's like somebody turned a light on. It's like when you're sitting down, maybe it's Monday evening and you're just kind of sitting there and you're reading a verse and you get the text from the church and you're looking at that verse and all of a sudden you see something in that verse you've never seen. That's called illumination. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's how we understand His Word today. So those words help me to know Yes, it's relevant to me, it's reliable, and it works. Let me tell you what this Bible has done for me. It has changed my life. Now, now listen, be careful. It didn't make my life better. I still had heart surgery. I still had brain surgery. But it made me better at life. It made me better when life went south. Whenever I ran into those issues, oh my goodness, this gave me something to stand on. It works. And so I've always said one of the greatest tests for what you believe is, does it work? Because I don't care what, what you believe, it doesn't work. This works. And look what he's holding. He said, Timothy, this book or this scripture is profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction. I mean, look at this. Look at this verse. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. He just covered the whole gamut. What does that mean? Well, profitable for teaching. Hey, you know what that means? Shows us what is right. Literally just shows us what is right. What is truth? What is right? What is right with God? I mean, how to get right with God? All of that. What is right? Second thing, it's profitable for reproof. What's reproof? Shows us what's not right. If there's something in your life that's not right, who's going to show you? This book will show you. The book actually even refers to it as a mirror. You look in a mirror and you go, oh, I got something out of place. That's what the Bible does. In fact, I brought something with me this morning. This, how many of you, well, I don't know how to ask this. My wife said I had to be real careful using this. This is a black light. Now, I'm not CSI and I'm not going into forensics. But if you ever have an animal in your house... And you want to know what they leave behind? Get you one of these. And you can walk around and, oh, my goodness. I mean, I can stare at a place on the carpet, and I'm like, it's clean. It's just perfectly clean. Hold on. You turn that on it. Oh, my, it lights up like New York City. I'm like, <laughs> what is the deal with that? Scripture is a black light. You may look great, but man, when you open that book, it shows you what's not right in you. It shows you that there's a lot more. And so profitable for reproof just means, hey, this, this isn't right. And then it doesn't just leave us there. Profitable for correction. It shows us how to get it right. It shows us how to be a better husband, how to be a better wife, how to be a better mother, how to be a better father. And then... Shows us how to stay right, which means this is the way you go walk in it. So, 
at the end of the day, we ought to be ready. Verse 17, he just says, Timothy, you're going to be what God intended you to be because this book will help you get there. And you're going to be a difference maker, and you're going to make a difference in the kingdom. Why? Because you're going to be mature, and you're going to be complete. It's going to give you everything you need for that. So, Timothy, you're ready. Here's a great quote by a brother up in Jacksonville. H.B. Charles, Jr., it is the will of God to have the Spirit of God use the Word of God to make the children of God look like the Son of God. That is exactly what God wants to do through His Word in your life. So let's take this journey together. Every day, use soap. Do, did any of you get here today and not use soap? Not just, we just need to see a hand, okay? Just want to see. Soap, it's basic, right? Yeah, it is. And here it is. S, read a scripture. You don't have to read a book. You don't have to read verses. So many times we get into a plan, we're going to read through the Bible in a year, and we give up in Leviticus. Well, I have too. How about let's just take it in small bite size. Read a verse. Observation. Hey, is there anything in there that's showing me what's not right? Is it a black light on my life? Or, or is it showing me how to be better? Is it, is it helping me to know how to follow Jesus and to be more like him? So you observe that. Maybe you want to write some notes, and, and there's maybe a promise in there that you really want to hold on to. And then the application is, so what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about that verse? You know, it doesn't really do any good to read every day, but never ask the question, so what am I going to do today? Because if it doesn't change us, what good is it? So application, write down or think, what is the application of that truth? And the last thing is just pray. Hey, God, I want to thank you for your word, and I want to thank you and help me to, to really begin to live this way. This little simple word, soap, I use it all the time. It just guides me through it. And let me tell you how I encountered it. I remember the day, well, it was January, it was December Something like December 7th or 8th. It was cold. I was in Fort Worth, Texas. I was standing on the campus of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. It was the largest seminary in the world at the time. And I'm getting ready for a test. In order to complete a Ph.D. degree, you have to take these tests. For some reason, they want you to have to have tests. One of the tests I had to take, I had to sit in a room with a bunch of professors and they could ask me to turn to any page in this Greek New Testament. And I had to be able to translate the verse they gave me. I had to be able to identify the verb and give the tense of the verb, give the mood, all that stuff. And so I'm trying to get ready for that test. And I'm walking around and I've got my, this is a Greek New Testament. In fact, this is the one I had. I'm walking around with this thing in my hand and I'm just pacing. And I will never forget this moment. On that campus, all of a sudden, I just stopped. And God said, is this just an academic exercise for you? Is this just to pass a test? And I had to be honest. I said, well, God, for the moment, yeah. 
I mean, it's really a lot about a test. And God said, is that all it is? And I will never forget the encounter with him because I realized something. I had taken words that he had given to me, and I had made them just like anybody else's words. I might as well have been studying Shakespeare. Might as well have been studying history. Because I just simply lost the sense of what this book is. So on that campus that day, I said, God, it'll never be academic for me again. 17 years ago, almost now, I made a promise standing right here. I promised this church that if I become the pastor of this church, I will make one commitment and never fail with your help. And that is, I will teach you as best I can the Word of God because it's the only truth that I know. It's the only truth I know. And so I want to do something together. I want us to take the journey together. And let's walk through the truth for 40 days. We just need you to text us. Text the word first. The word first to 40777. You're going to get a text starting tomorrow, and you're going to get access to the website where we have a guide with soap is all there. And so whatever you need, we're there to help you to know what God said to you in His Word. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.